Take two. Today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. And thanks to a wonky cable connection on my end, this is the second attempt at today's Hugo Floss podcast with me, Dan Hugo, and the one and only Nancy Hugo. Good morning, Dan. That's well, That was true when we started, but uh, presently, <laughs> slightly after noon, yes, it took the- almost one hour to get... Uh, you're right. Get everything sorted. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the way of the world when it comes to technology. Uh, luckily, you know a lot more than I do. So when you have a problem, you can sort of troubleshoot it a little bit more than me. I just go, what? Oh, I've had the same problem with Zencaster before. I don't know if you want to go. Yeah, Zencaster does not had. handle handle drop connections well. So that part of their selling point is is that it should but in practice, it really does not. So we'll figure out some better tools. But in the meantime, I mean, they're the it, way we're going for now. If everything is perfect, Zencaster is fine. But bump in the road, you're off into a ditch. Anyway, so uh, to catch up uh, you, the person listening to the show right now, uh, we were talking about mask policy changes and whatnot and the weather 10 minutes in our my my connection went down so we can compress that down if you like or we can skip over it depending on how interesting that was now that we know if it was well we can talk about the weather like everybody else does real quickly as everybody knows i live in phoenix and you live in las vegas and they're very hot at this time of the year and I don't complain about it as much as a lot of people do. When I meet people out of the, which I used to when I was traveling, they'd go, how do you, the first thing they would ask is, how do you live in Phoenix? It's so hot. Well, how do you live where you live? People in Minnesota and Maine, it's yeah. it's too snowy. It's too cold. You live with it because when it's not doing the extreme heat or the snow, you enjoy the rest of the year. So shut up about the weather already and let's get on to the masks. Well, the other, the, it is sort of humorous, the weather, um, Nevada or uh, Vegas, Vegas itself tends to be, what have we decided? Like five degrees cooler? Sometimes. Sometimes we're right there the same. Yeah. I don't know why. So but... it's, I don't, I don't believe it's been hotter, uh, appreciably hotter anyway in Las Vegas than Phoenix, for example, but, uh, it's the same weather, give or take every year. So to me, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit that people are so shocked that it's hot outside. I know. Oh well, I was God. saying before that we did reach 100. Well, we went a little bit over 100. And yeah. not to be unexpected because this happens. Sometimes it happens sooner in the year and sometimes a little bit later. But we're in the middle of May and it happened last week. And so now we know what to expect. As we do every year. It's the same every year. I think it does sort of shed some light on this on regardless of your actual position on climate change or wherever that's going. It does shed some light on why it's a discussion all the time because people completely forget any aspect of like a year ago from today. Like, uh, I can't believe how hot it is. It, it was exactly this hot last, like one year ago. I don't even know. I forgot completely. I don't even know what my own name is. So. Well, yeah. and if the if the uh, weather channel or the news, the weather guy on the news, 
they don't have anything else to say. In Phoenix, they go, well, it's hot. You know, that makes them sound boring. So they'll say, but a couple of years ago, do you remember that it was 120? Well, yeah, we do. And it made national news and they couldn't take off from the airport and all this other stuff because there's nothing else to talk about. Um, They've they've talked enough about the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing else to talk about. So they have to do all their statistics and it becomes very boring to the listener. I don't listen anymore. Now, I will say, speaking of weather in Vegas, uh, normally the monsoon, which is the humidity that comes and just sits over Phoenix, for example. but So we have a, a less intense version of that, but we do get the lightning mm-hmm. and some and some of the, like, the warm rain, like when it's like, like wow it's warm outside and it's raining but recently i don't know not reliably but recently there's an increased chance that the monsoons will come earlier in july normally they would come later in july and into august uh so i think maybe two or three i've lived here for what coming up on eight years and i think two or three times the lightning the the evening lightning storms have come on the fourth of july it's quite a show mixed with the fireworks and everything. So it works. And because there's so many fireworks shows going on in Vegas, like uh, the odds are good that somebody will get a really cool picture. I know if they didn't have the lightning show, nobody would be able to take pictures and show them on TV and brag about, Oh, look at this picture I took. Right. Yeah. But it happens, it happens all the time. Last year, we hardly got any monsoon. That means we didn't get any thunderstorms. We got a dust storm here and there. They consider that the monsoon because it's very humid. But, you know, every year it's a little bit different because if it was the same exact thing every year, it'd be very boring. So That's right. it's it's another thing to look forward to so that you can complain about it. I don't complain about the weather. It is what it is. I don't like shoveling snow, so yeah. therefore I live in Phoenix. We can I, talk about masks, though. <laughs> we can talk about the new ruling that the CDC just put out. So now all those masks that match your clothes, yeah. you can stick them in the drawer if you want because you don't need them anymore. What that's, is Nancy? Well, that's not Pe- true. I was going to say, what's Nancy Pelosi going to do? She wears them around her neck to cover her wrinkled yeah. uh, turkey neck. So yeah, I guess she the can waddle. still do it if she wants. Yeah. <laughs> well, so there's there's this guy here. Uh, his name's Stephen something. He has a channel on YouTube called Not Leaving Las Vegas, and somebody actually. They said, why is it called not leaving Las Vegas? Why not? I'm staying in Las Vegas. He said, because you got to do use a name like a Nicolas Cage movie that'll catch people's attention. So not leaving Las Vegas. He, I, he's he got an unusual sense of humor, but his wife was making masks with like the the Golden Knights or, you know, various logos and everything. So they've been, that's how they've made some extra money. And now that the mask policy in Vegas is... Um, diminishing i guess he's he's he walks around on the strip on and downtown vegas on fridays and saturdays so last night i was watching his live stream it's actually interesting you don't even have to go you can just watch and there are several people that do this so they just want to but he's like um yeah look at all these people vaccinated i guess and there are no masks everybody's packed in like sardines and uh he's like uh, you can still buy masks because he went into Walgreens to get some water, bottle of water. And I've been to that Walgreens. It's always interesting to see like, oh yeah, I know, I've been there, been there like a hundred times. So I, you know, all these familiar sites. 
So he walked in there and they said, oh, you have to have a mask. And he has his mask that he sells, right? So he's got, he just whips, whips it out, puts it on. He's like, oh, that's one reason to keep carrying your mask around because everybody's got a different policy now. So that'll add, oh, exactly. to, the, yeah. add to the confusion. I, yeah, I noticed that. Also, he should wear a mask that says, I make these masks, ask me. <laughs> oh, he's, the, he's always plugging. Yeah. Always be plugging. So think about the people who are now being put out of business if the mask policy really is one where people, maybe in six months, nobody will be wearing a mask. So all those people who made a lot of money, they got to think of something else now. I I cannot speak to the size or, or uh, lucrativity of the mask market, but custom, I guess, the cottage industry that spun yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, there's the the one. Remember the lady I told you she ghosted me. It was she had me come out to her house thirty five so miles many. away. Yeah. Well, this particular one, you know, oh, we want to work with you anyway. Uh, she's uh, she, well, she bragged that she sold five thousand homemade masks. So now she'll have to think of something else to do besides ghosting me. Um, so here's the funny part. <laughs> what? If you already had a connection to someone to do this overseas, you could, you could sell, you could almost like Girl Scout cookies. You could sell these things to your friends. You could, you could, uh, you know, pitch them via your other endeavors. Like, Hey, I'm, I, I saw people I knew from college selling like one's a school teacher. She was selling masks on Instagram, but you could basically just have someone in another country make them at a, you know, whatever the going rate is. And you make up the the difference, the margin. So you could she th- this person you just mentioned, she may have had five thousand masks manufactured overseas and had them shipped over, and uh, says she makes them right. So it's it's a possibility. Yeah. Well, and now it's kind of too late. That would have been a great idea a year ago. Now we've got to come up with something else. Well, look at all the hand sanitizers that are now going to be sitting on the shelf because not that many people are going to be buying. The one thing that people will always buy is toilet paper. And now they're saying we're going to have a shortage again. I don't know how yeah, there's actually shortages of, of everything. So, yeah, yeah. And despite what they say, it's not uh, the inflation and the people don't want to work. There, the, the, there's a, When you reboot your computer, or just like me today with my connection going up and down, bringing stuff back up. Is, uh, is always going to be a challenge. So supply chains are all wonky. There was the Suez Canal blockage that threw a bunch of stuff off. So the just-in-time economy, when you stop yeah. it, it has to restart. And so there's just right. going to be chaos for a while. So that's just Well, I was talking to an appliance um, salesperson who I had on my Home Design Chat with Nancy podcast. And he was saying, of course, the lead time in all the appliances, if anybody's out there planning on buying appliances, don't expect anything before 12 weeks. Sure. Unless you find something in the back room or you buy it used, of course. But he was saying a lot of times they will have 95% of the parts for a refrigerator. And those couple of parts that come from overseas, they're waiting a long time to get them. So yeah. everything is back ordered. And the- well, the, the one people probably have heard about is CPUs or you know, computer parts. Mm. Um, so, car so cars require a lot of 
they're not they're not the ones you find in your desktop computer, but they they have a lot of computing in your car. Mm-hmm. So when car manufacturing slowed down because of the profit margins, and if you've ever looked into how cars are produced and the supply chains, it's kind of interesting. Um, the the profit margins on cars are like non-existent. So when they're manufacturing these cars, they're they've cut everything down to like you know one percent profit margin for the chip suppliers. So when the car company says, okay, no, we don't need chips for 12 weeks or six months or whatever, the chip companies are like, oh, okay, we'll sell them to somebody else. So they turn around and they make a better profit margin, maybe on smaller volumes. So then when the car company says, okay, we need those chips, they're like, well, we've already booked all the sales for the rest of the year. So you're going to have to wait. That and happens with chip- a lot of things. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's one example, but that's where you're like, um, it isn't. It isn't just flipping a light switch back on. So it's it's kind of interesting to watch how it will what will happen as things reboot and start up and and it's not only not only chips for for uh, any, anything but food. There's a oil like a vegetable oil shortage. I guess soybeans. There's a shortage, so that will affect soybean oil. So then it will affect other oils that are used in place of. Uh, we've talked about my olive oil that I'm trying to get a half price deal on at Smith's and, uh, they've been sold out for the duration. It's kind of a bummer. Well, so yeah, oils, toilet yes. paper. Well, those, you know, the people who go, but I can't understand why I have to wait this long for my refrigerator. They're the same people that say, I can't understand why it's so hot all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're, yeah. they're living in the moment. They don't think back two minutes. <laughs> It is, uh, it's oblivious. Uh, uh, well, I mean, it's the same argument for that, that a vegan might make, right? Like you have no idea what, you know, factory farming is like, which is true. Most people don't. So when you, when you find out the hard way, like, oh, we don't have any of these products because the 12 steps between the farm and the shelf in the store they all have delay. It's like when the light turns green and you're 50 cars back. Like you're not leaving. <laughs> you're not moving. I know. <laughs> you got to wait. So. I know. So yeah, propagation delays and uh, oh, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, if you can, it's an interesting learning experience. Hopefully people will talk about it in school and stuff like like how the economy works. But. So it comes right down to planning ahead. Which well, is that, a little yeah. hard to do right now, Always. but you know, I have a client and we need a lot of appliances for their project. So knowing that we have a 12-week lead time, I'm not going to wait till the last minute to order the appliances. And that goes with everything else. You know, um, there's always that rule about have one backup. Have a backup on your ketchup or your coffee or your oil or whatever. Same with appliances and plan ahead. And maybe you can't build your house right now because there's a wood shortage. So do the best you can and plan ahead, get everything else ready and then order your wood. Don't wait 12 weeks, order your wood now. And then when you get your delivery date, then you can start planning on building. But in the, in the production jargon, one of the terms would be an uh, alternate vendor list. So you basically, Mm -hmm. you want to have an, you know, second or third or fourth option. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there's the, again, not to bring up, um, my uh, home design chat with Nancy, but I was during one of the uh, podcasts, we were talking about appliances and, and all of the 
emails that I get saying, oh, what are the trends for 2021? And a lot of them have mentioned white kitchens, white appliances. And this particular podcast, this person was saying, yeah, so white is now in all of a sudden, but don't plan on it maybe till 2022 because it's nobody's geared up for white. And it wasn't popular and everybody decided, oh, yeah, we want white. Not everybody, maybe 10%. But the people who are writing the articles are saying white appliances are in. They don't know what what craziness they're causing by doing that. And they don't care either. They're just getting published. Well, it's yeah, it's interesting – that that goes back to what we what I said earlier, which is like it, it's interesting to watch this stuff and what does it mean? Uh, Bit Bitcoin mining or cryptocurrency mining has devastated the GPU graphic processing unit market from Nvidia and AMD, and <clears throat> so every time they launch a new product, everybody buys them for cryptocurrency mining, and all the gamers who really want the products can't buy them. And it hurts the companies because they're making these products specifically for gaming or for machine learning or, you know, particular verticals that they're trying to cater to, but the crypto miners come and buy up all the products. And so everybody ends up being unhappy because the crypto miners will use these products in a destructive way. They'll, they use them so they overheat or they, you know, so they're really not there. You you would not want to buy one that's been used for this. It's like buying a, a rental car that's been driven uh at the edge of <laughs> the edge of its performance so uh so you end up with um a disconnect between the production of these products and then how people are using them and the quantities that are available and so yeah same thing with toilet paper or cpus for cars or yeah the list goes on so it's it's interesting if people pay attention so what you just said about white kitchens if if people pay attention to how supply chains work and all that, but they will not. Uh, this is a good lesson about global economies and why manufacturing not overseas, <laughs> insourcing is not a, not a bad idea. I agree. Totally. Well, what did you and, do this? Go well, I was, was, was going to say, they are going to, people may have heard about this, but hopefully you have um, TSMC and Intel and who knows who else they're going to start building chips again in the Phoenix area. Yes. I don't know how many billions of dollars was put into the um, new uh, building or the new wing of the Intel um, compound in Chandler. Yeah. I read about that. And the funny part is when I worked at that site as a, as a contractor for Intel back in, uh, Oh, what was it like? 2000, Long time ago. Four or something. So I was a contractor at that site and they were building the chip fab that's there now, which is probably outdated. That's why they they have to spend more money. But they were building this fab to make ARM chips when Intel was manufacturing ARM chips. And then they stopped doing that. And they sold it to Marvell. So that fab, I guess, was going unused or maybe for flash memory or something. So there's a that that fab site and then um Somewhere in New Mexico, there was a, I cannot remember the city, sorry, New Mexico, but I have been to that site and that site was basically being shut down because it was so old that they, eh, but now that site's going to be open again. 
So they're basically turning back on these various chip fab sites. And then TSMC, which is Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation, is going to have a site here somewhere in America. And uh, so, yeah, interesting times. It'll be interesting to see because that uh, Phoenix, one of the pillars of manuf- or the pillars of the economy were chip manufacturing or semiconductors, uh, electronics assembly, and government contracting, as in Hughes, McDonnell Douglas, you know, manufacturing jets and parts for military. Mm-hmm. So those were the big three, and they kind of faded away. And now it's biotech, Genentech, and all that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see semiconductors return to Phoenix. We'll see what happens with the job market. Yeah, that, that would be good. Well, I was going to say, what did you do this week that was interesting? <laughs> you do something interesting all the time. So go ahead, lay it on me. What did I do? Um, well, you joined a gym. I saw, yeah, I, well, I had gone to uh, the EOS gym near me. It's, I had a, I think they gave me an eight day pass for whatever reason. So I I went every day except for the final day because I was just tired. Normally I go every other day. So I went every day and then I went and I signed up for $10 a month and they were really hard selling me to, to spend money on training and whatnot. And I said, Hey, I've, I've, I was a member of 24 hour fitness since 1999. I've, I've kind of, I've done that, done the thing. And then so they were we trying should to con- probably say by no way are we being paid by EOS. This is no, not no, a commercial. No, no, no. Um, I mean, for ten dollars a month, it's it's I can it's a one mile, just over one mile walk. It's, I don't believe it's one point five. I think it's closer to one mile each way, and it's a nice chance. If I go there around two in the morning, it's pretty dead. If you go there by four in the morning, there's nobody's wearing masks anymore. It's uh, that they gym- haven't been. You mentioned that they even yeah. before the CDC past their newest ruling or suggestion. Yeah. Um, most places have this thing on their website or they have signs. We are doing our utmost to sterilize everything that you can see with the human eye. Yeah. We are safe. Don't worry about it. You walk into the gym and what did you see? <laughs> Some it, people not yeah, wearing masks. It, they call it hygiene theater, which um, there's certainly nothing wrong with cleaning surfaces because that's how you'll probably get if people were to keep this up, that's why the flu has been the actual influenza has been uh, low in number for flu season, which starts in October, I think. So yeah, all this cleaning of surfaces and masks and distancing and staying home and all that, there's, there were fewer people with the flu, which is nice. So if people would continue that, that would be good, but they will not. Um, no, because yeah. humans have short memories and they don't, even, they don't remember what temperature it was last year. Much less. That's true. Right. And also they, they only think of themselves. So when I've been at the gym, when somebody gets off the machine, whatever it is, and it's just covered with their sweat, the nice people, the considerate people have a spray bottle, hopefully with some Clorox in it and a cloth and then wipe it down. But then there are people who go, eh, too bad. Right? Yeah. I have, I bring a towel, which is about it's not a it's not quite a bath towel but it's it's somewhat well like i can i can put it on the bench if i'm doing something where i'm laying on a bench it's sufficient to you know so i I don't leave a big puddle of sweat on something um 
so yeah, basically bring bring a towel to cover where I am, and then yeah, they have spray bottles and stuff, and you can wipe down. So I have seen people that are pretty good about that, but unfortunately, that is not the problem. So you can wipe down the machines all day, but if you're breathing on people, that's how it's transmitted. If they're still sick, and I, I think we didn't re re uh, rehash this, but Nevada and probably Clark County are at about 30% vaccinated. So there's a good chance that two people in a gym are not vaccinated and they could still transmit it to each other. So it's unfortunate that people were valuing wiping down stuff. And I know you were washing vegetables and stuff and there's nothing wrong with it. You didn't hurt anything. Well, in fact, no. you, you may, you may have prevented influenza or other colds or other things. So end of the day, not bad, not, not horrible, but on a, on a company scale, like your restaurant or your gym or your hair, hair salon or whatever, the problem is what's coming out of your face, not what's on your hands. Right. So, mm -hmm. well, when I think about washing all those frozen bags of vegetables that I had and washing everything or leaving stuff out in the, in another part in the garage so that after a couple of days, okay, maybe the, the uh, COVID-19 little bugs weren't on there. Maybe they dropped off and whatever. I was being, I think, anal in retrospect, but I think there was a lot of things that were meant to maybe scare people or scare them to no. the point where they would be more careful. I was overly careful, but I've got to say, knock on wood and knock on whatever, um, that we didn't get COVID and we're of the age where we are susceptible, I'm thinking. So, hey, we stayed healthy. Yeah. Maybe I did something right, or maybe it just wasn't meant to be that we get it. Who knows? Well, yeah, like, like I said, you you may have prevented rhinovirus, a cold, you know, common cold. You may have prevented influenza from entering into what is has been for the last what, almost two years um, a a place of recovery. So it certainly didn't hurt to keep extra viruses out, and uh, so you know. Everything's fine. Well, and it but was a learning experience. And also it was a good topic of conversation. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, we were doing it for a year or more than a year. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I think the problem is that everybody is so familiar with influenza and common cold. And they and although there's been some some discussion about sick building, which is like, oh, well, people get sick in at work because uh, the, the heat circulates the stuff. And, so that's that's uh, been argued against. But anyway, the people are so familiar with the flu that they just figured, oh yeah, it's just like the flu. So we'll just because unfortunately that was part of the messaging, the inconsistent messaging that uh, left to the states on it. But, but it's been was, interesting. I was going to say there was a some of the things that were suggested were a little over the top. One of them was that if you were in a crowd. When you come home, don't go in the house, stay in the garage, take all your clothes off, right. get in the house. And I think that was a little much. So the problem is that everybody was thinking like it's influenza. So in the absence of actual information during the discovery phase, when scientists and researchers are doing things like, oh, what's how viable is the virus when it's on a copper surface or a concrete surface? Or, so all this research was being done because this is a novel virus, mm -hmm. right? So you can't go, oh, it's just like the flu, because it's not. So 
the best guess was try to avoid getting sick. <laughs> and they didn't know all the paths of exposure. So even now, even today, I literally listened to the This Week in Virology clinical of update you from did. Dr. Griffin. <laughs> so he said that the CDC has now finally agreed that, and this is going to be jargon, I guess, uh, that it that the SARS-CoV-2 can be considered airborne. So the casual listener might say, I'm talking to you, might say, uh, yeah, they've been saying it's an aerosol. No, aerosol and airborne are two different things. So aerosol, like if you spray an aerosol out of a can, like a Lysol or something, you can see that those droplets fall down to the ground. They land on your countertop or whatever you're trying to clean. Airborne, you could say, exhale some smoke, like if you're a smoker or a vapor. And it dissipates that, into the air. That stuff will float and it will move around, it'll travel. Yeah, so an aerosol is actually like an atomizer, like mm -hmm. perfumes and stuff. So an aerosol will tend to not float on the air, or, or I mean, it can float a little bit, but you know, an aerosol is droplets of things that float in the air and then they eventually come down to the ground. Airborne means it can just travel around. Measles is extremely airborne and it's horrendously transmissible by comparison to SARS-CoV-2. So that's the one where you're like, oh, somebody has measles in this warehouse that I'm in? I'm out of here because it's it can well, be Well, then the they air. should pull out those masks that they probably put away yeah. because they didn't think they would ever use them. So but, I guess our, our caveat is don't throw away your masks. Don't throw away your mask, but also, yeah. I mean, the the science of of a new of a novel virus is going to be changing as they figure stuff out and some of the, unfortunately some of it's the numbers of how many people die that's how you determine how how uh, I know I know I've asked you this before but do the people in China before the covid-19 before Wuhan were they wearing masks all the time Asia in general and this was talked about fairly early on um, because in Asia, I think it was in Hong Kong, they had a, an outbreak of SARS-1. They, they basically got rid of buffets, dim sum buffets, right? So, you, you know, eating, eating food off of a cart that they go around and they give you yeah. some different. So the culture was very, you know, just like buffets here in Vegas, right? People had access to food much more easily, but now they've stepped it a while back to, um, you order the food and they bring it out to you because they learned from SARS one that it's very easy to transmit this stuff and they want to prevent that. So, uh, there was a cultural shift in Taiwan and some of China. So basically though, and this was true, what I was in Japan back in 96, I think when, when Tammy graduated, People, oh, if you're sick, yeah. you wear a mask, right? It's yeah. just part of the the culture is to not screw people up with your sickness, right? So there's there has been, my understanding is that it's just been a culture of uh, consideration, I suppose you could say. Um, when I was in China a couple of years ago, um, there were people on the trains that wore masks. In my travels in Silicon Valley or here, you'll see somebody wearing a mask, probably from Asia. Because they're sick, they yeah. they they don't want to spread. So, to for people there, you could you could be at a Seven Eleven, which I did. You could go to Seven Eleven in Shenzhen, China, and buy masks. 
And because yeah, because really it's normal. commonplace there. Yeah. Um, but talking about uh, buffets, how many of those casinos were known for their buffets? I mean, everybody would go, "Oh, you yeah. got to go to you know to this one for their buffet." And they're uh, coming back. Venetian. They're coming back. Are they? Two or three buffets were already open. Now, I'm surprised about that. There will be changes to access, just like I was saying with with Hong Kong. You may not be able to reach in and grab all the food you want. You may have to ask someone to serve it. Into, you know, Maybe you can just point to it, and then they'll yeah. put it in the dish. I, I have not been to a buffet probably years. But, yeah, yeah my understanding is that two – was it? I can't remember which two. There were two that were already open, and then more are going to be opening. So yeah, they'll they'll be back. They'll, they'll oh, be fine. So yeah. Well, as we know, the people will be flocking to Las Vegas. To they already get, are. Yeah. 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 So what what did I do this week? Oh well, was it last week? No, I guess I didn't complain on air about the problem at a uh, physical therapy place where we go. And as you enter the front door, there was a huge rug that was just laying there. Now, you got to remember, it doesn't rain in Phoenix very rarely. And we probably won't get rain until maybe July or August if we're hitting it right with the monsoon. But a lot of times we'll just get dust. So why is this rug there on this big foyer, tiled foyer? They had this rug that kept getting caught when people were using their walker and it's very dangerous. So you're walking into a physical therapy location with a stupid rug on the floor. So I complained about it two weeks ago and I said, it's not raining. Why do you have this rug here? Well, so what was the answer that I got? That's really not my area. I I could mention it to somebody. And so the following week, it got worse. The, The rug got caught in the walker and was rolled up and bunched up which is extremely dangerous. So I again said to two people then, this and this happened. I suggest you take the rug away. And if you really need something that's useful there, why don't you replace your your, uh, slick tiles with some textured tiles? And again, I got not really my area, but I could mention it. And so the next time we went, the rug was gone. So my, I do have a voice, and if I continue complaining, maybe they will replace the tile with some textured tile. So yep. I think people um, will accept a problem and just go, eh, yeah, well, what am I going to do about it? But if you don't open your mouth, if you don't complain, and if you don't get it done, you don't get any satisfaction, keep complaining because the squeaky wheel gets you know the most grease. So... Um, it's all about changing things that aren't working. So somebody who puts the rug there probably doesn't use a walker or a wheelchair, so they don't care. Yeah. Um, well, that's I have that picture of the street corner. That's mm-hmm. that's the message. And luckily, I, I call it the eighty twenty picture. So twenty percent of the people I showed to are like, yeah, that's wrong. So the 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 carpet rug, uh, it's like a 
what do you call it? like a welcome not a welcome app but it's like a yeah. no it's it's it's, it's, it's bigger short, than that it's no, no, it's, it's a about five pl- foot wait a minute it's about five foot by six foot square with a thin rubber band around it and a right. low pile right. but unfortunately there's a wrinkle in it that you can't get out of the rug yeah. so that's where people would get caught so it's not because when you say rug to be yeah. clear it's 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 an entryway uh mat mat to dry off your feet yeah so it's not, it doesn't say welcome on it but it is designed to dry off your feet no it should pile, say trip rubber. on me but yeah but so the the problem and I, I a long time ago i described how this sort of not the same but similar situation at the vaccination pod where they had a a pretty heavy gauge extension cord for i guess people were plugging in their ipads or something for part of the re, for the registration and all that Mm-hmm. At, at the injection site, right? So you'd actually go sit down. They're going to stick this thing in your arm and they uh, then they would mark something off on an iPad. So I guess to have them all plugged in, they had this heavy extension cord and then they put plastic over it because they coated everything in yellow tarp, like all the flooring and stuff because again, secure or a hygiene theater, right? So probably not worth the trouble, but they did it. It's done. Right. So the yellow tarp plastic stuff went over the extension cord so it's not completely visible and then people in wheelchair i watched somebody almost dump their husband or wife whatever it was out of a wheelchair because the front wheels hit this cord and stopped and the person almost tumbled right out so i had somebody put a a wet floor sign over it at least so that they would look and then i would tell people to walk around and don't don't go over that just walk around that table and you can leave but when I talked to the the fire chief that was in charge of the site, I said, "Hey, this is a trip hazard, and there's two of the two trip hazards. We can put some like some tape over just so that people can see it." And he's like, "No, nah, there's nothing we can do about it." So the take home is like, unless that guy, if that guy had tripped over it, he would probably have fixed it. But it, oh, you it's betcha. not my problem. Yeah. So yeah. Well, there again, um, first of all, you mentioned the corner, and if people or haven't been listening to this podcast, explain the corner problem. I have a street corner that I walk through frequently. Uh, if I go to two grocery stores that are slightly to the north of me, northeast, or if I'm going to the bus transit center thing. So I walk through this intersection quite a bit. And one of the corner it's a it's a high traffic there's a freeway entrance uh, the one block over so pretty pretty high traffic crossing uh what do you call it uh pedestrian cross signal lights on the poles and all that and it's ada accessible so there's a ramp with the texture the yellow sort of rectangle of texture goes down so you can leave the sidewalk and cross the street so on one of the four corners there's some landscaping that if you are in a wheelchair or using a walker or a cane or not sure of yourself, unsteady on your feet, you have to go over a little tiny brick uh, decorative sort of ledge onto some large rock landscaping. So cross over that to get to the button to hit the the crossing, the signal button. So... The message is that I that I describe this. I say the city. It's in the city of Las Vegas, so it's not it's not like unincorporated or it, in the boonies. It's a 
city proper. So the planning office planned it and budgeted it, and the uh, what do you call it? A uh, public works came out and put it in, and there it is. And it's been like this for years, like four years, I think, at least. Did you ever see anybody in a wheelchair uh, approach that crosswalk? I have not. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't hang out there enough to to really survey properly, but. Other people, if I encounter other people at this intersection, they'll be like, "Man, what if you were in a wheelchair?" Yeah, so some people have noticed it, right? What if what if you couldn't get to that? And people notice it in the photo. So some people do not. So like I said, the eighty twenty rule. So when I describe this, I say, "Yeah, the, the city planning people they plan for this, the the requirements and the ADA compliance, and they budgeted, and then the public works people came out and they put the the appropriate." elements in place to, to pass all the, the check marks on the requirements and that's it. But if you don't actually try it or it doesn't, like if somebody in public works use that intersection and they themselves or family or some friend was limited in mobility, right? So they wheelchair, cane, walker, what have you, they probably would have said, Hey, this is not good, but because there's not that, and this applies to the, the, the mat situation that you had, the the vaccination pod situation I described earlier. So yeah, there's this like um, I don't know, I don't, I've not experienced it myself, therefore I can't help you. Sorry, and you. Uh... Mm. Well, this is really the basis for I'm bringing this up because of Casa Nunzia. Um, people who are listening to this podcast for the first time might say, "What the heck is she talking about?" But um, why don't you explain? what Casa Nunzia is all about. It's funny you should ask. So, uh, Isn't it though? So, uh, well, often people will, will assume that it's some sort of a product company or that, that we're aiming to make things. Not, not true. <clears throat> basically, <clears throat> pardon me. So basically, the situation you described or the situations I've described, there's really nobody to call. You can't really contact someone. And these are these are like out in the world. So if you go home, you're in your home, you would hope that the products that you have brought into your home to hopefully make your life comfortable and easier, assistive technologies and, and so on, you would hope that they work. And that they actually help you and hopefully don't hurt you if they malfunction or whatever. So if you have an issue or if you have a certain need that's not met or <clears throat> like the example I give is Google goggles slash Google glass, the, gla the smart glasses that they were selling. Google goggles was an application you could put on your phone. There were certain things that, that you could do with these that if you were vision impaired, that would be very helpful. And the example I've given is that it could identify American currencies, even if they were crumpled up. So that was handy. So, but they killed the product because people didn't like it, that it was, <clears throat> it was too uh, invasive. They didn't like the idea of a camera always pointing at them, which is strange because people have phones, they do the same thing. But so who, who, who amplifies the voice of people that say, wait, that what is working for a, a percentage of the population. So the Casa Nunzia probably foundation, uh, the, the exact naming will probably show up on a 
Form 1023 filing with the IRS at some point for 501c3 status, will endeavor to, uh, using co-creation techniques, work with people who have special needs for assistive technologies or other like services, technologies, practices, and connect people who need these products with the people that are, or the companies that are producing them or designing them so that hopefully you end up with things that actually work and you'll get better technologies for the, or, or platforms or services or, or workflows or whatever it is. You'll end up with better outcomes for people who need the products. And then they'll sort of, uh, the assumption is that they will be better in general for people who want them. So there you could say smart speakers. I'm not going to say one now because I'll get some sort of uh, response from one. <laughs> from one that's near me right now. But if you say the word, but you have a, a speech-related issue, then it may not work for you or if it misunderstands you. And I don't know if you remember uh, um, Stephen Hawking. Intel spent a lot of research dollars developing a an interpreter that could listen to him speaking when he was really losing his ability to speak in what you could call a normal way. And it would interpret what he was saying and turn that into words and whatnot. So the same sorts of things could be done with smart speakers today to help people who require these assistive technologies say, uh, can you run my bath? If I said these words, but I didn't say it clearly, the, it might interpret something completely incorrectly. So if it becomes better at working with people with limited speech capabilities, then it gets better for people with not limited speech capabilities. So you don't listen to the television or a podcaster saying something and then it goes, okay. And it does stuff. And you're like, no, that wasn't my voice. That was somebody else. So, I mean, that's just one example, but there, there's currently, as far as I can tell, there's nobody that's connecting assistive techno technology development and productization with the people that use them. So I've gone on at length here, but the, the take home is uh, co-creation is what, when you go to someone's house and they cook some food for you and then they say, here, taste this, that is co-creation. That is involving the person that's going to be using or consuming your products in the process so that at the end you go, oh, ah, I didn't salt it enough or I didn't uh, make the speaker work for somebody who can't speak properly, quote unquote, properly. Um so yeah, it's it's to bring some sanity to the the product development process that is otherwise ignoring people and you end up with things that don't really work and there's a wheelchair example that pretty much hits that right on the squarely on the head that nail. Yeah, that'd be good if you put the link uh, yeah. to that. So the iBot. The, yeah. It was a very expensive wheelchair that and quite literally, the, the article is like, yeah, they designed this really cool wheelchair and they never spoke to anyone who might need it. And they everybody said, oh, but this is this won't work because of these reasons. So if you design something in a vacuum without asking yeah. your users. And so I'd like to work with veteran, the Veterans Administration. They have a specially adapted housing unit. I've spoken to the chief of that unit about, and he, he understood it. He was in the 20%. So mm. right away, like, oh, yes, this is a, this is a good idea because yeah. you encounter things that don't work all the time. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know if I ever uh, reiterated this story, but when I was uh, designing public restrooms for a client, the men's room, according to the uh, ADA specifications, I had to put a urinal at a certain height off the ground. To me, it didn't make sense. I don't use urinals. I'm not in a wheelchair, but just looking at it, just like your corner with the um, the thing that doesn't work for uh, people with challenges, this thing didn't seem to work. So I called how I got this person's name in New York, and they were the ones who put together the rulings and the the uh, rules of what to design for bathrooms, um, where to put the grab bars, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to him, well, this thing is not going to work if there's a man sitting in a wheelchair, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, so why can't I just put the urinal in a specific place? Well, you can't do that because that's the rule that you got to do it so many inches off the floor. Right. I said, yeah, but it doesn't work. He goes, yeah, but that's the way we said to do it. So that's what we're talking about. I would have said, get me to the person where I can change this ruling because to me, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. And then the problem is that you are one person talking to one other person who right. is essentially doing what we've already described with the with the mat and the and the vaccination pod cable. And the way it's like, oh, so hey, it's not my problem. I'm just... Exactly. Doing what it says. Exactly. Or, or the other thing we hear is, well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't work. Yeah, but hey, I can't do anything about it. Those are the sheep. They just follow yeah. whatever somebody said to do. And then, yeah, I have another, I have a screenshot from an Amazon. Uh, Amazon has a pro on the product pages that they, when they sell something, there's a part where people can ask questions and then Amazon will try to get people who have used or purchased, especially purchased the product to answer them. Anybody who's bought something on Amazon, you pay, hey, can you answer this question about whatever? And so the question was, why would someone need a voice-activated microwave? And the first answer, which I have in this screenshot, somebody wrote, well, my husband is blind and now he can use the microwave because the touch panel on it is not, there's no feet, there's no uh, bumps, there's no uh, braille, physical and, cues. Yeah, there's nothing. So to be able to just heat up a coffee or make some popcorn or whatever, uh, that interaction is enabled. But if you don't, I, I, there's another one. <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty uh, glib with this person uh, back when I was using Facebook, which I'm not really much. They posted a photo of a urine remover, like a it looked like an industrial strength cleaning bottle, mm -hmm. like urine remover. And they wrote, who would need this? And the commentary was essentially like, "What? why would someone even invent something like this? And I said, so wait, what you're saying is uh, you can't fathom why the solution for a problem you don't have exists? <laughs> well, those are the people that live in a bottle. It's just yeah. in their world. This is not in my world. Why do they have it? Exactly. And unfortunately, people that do this, so the the Amazon example is some is a customer, or on, you know the customer user side of the the equation, but the people designing products, just like that wheelchair, just like that the the, the welcome mat, the, the whatever, the drying mat, just, all of these scenarios are because you're not you don't have that awareness, you 
you were like, oh, it's fine. It, fa- it checks all the boxes. Yeah. And it's not a it's not an impossible problem to to address. It just you just need that infrastructure in place to to know who and how to talk and interact. And so one of the ideas would be to to during product development cycles involve the users, so co-creation. So if you work with a pool of people that have particular assistive technology needs or assistive uh uh it could it doesn't even have to be technology, it could be furniture, <laughs> it could be anything. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you actually involve people that need these things in that process during your development cycle, you could say, oh, this urinal should be in a range depending on your ergonomics. And then over time, you may need, so maybe something adjustable or something that could be moved more easily if you design it a certain way, which that's, that's more your area than mine. But how would you accommodate some, a urinal placement or some plumbing that might need to move? So that you don't have to tear up the entire house again, or whatever, right? So, so making awareness uh, and then process and and uh, and connectivity, like collaboration, discussion, and communication, these are all things that are kind of left on the table right now. So, yeah. Well, I think people, for the most part, uh, not the ones with the challenge, but the other people, they just um, they do it as a matter of fact. And I'm just going to use this one example. Some builders will put grab bars in the shower, but they never think about who's going to use the grab bar. And if you, so it depends on how long your arm is, what your capabilities are, where you need the grab bar. But they just go, oh yeah, we'll just put it maybe horizontally. Um, I see in public restrooms, they have a long grab bar behind the toilet and then horizontally to the floor, and then another one perpendicular on the adjacent wall horizontally. And I can't figure out who would use those because to me, they're they're not usable. Um, right. You need a little bit more support and maybe at an angle, but just like switches, your light switches um, in your house, Everybody puts them at a certain height, although sometimes when you go into tract housing, you'll find them all over the place because the guy who put the J-Box in, just he didn't have a tape with him. So he just puts J-box? it where he, yeah. um, he just puts J-Box it is, for those oh, who aren't. J-Box is that box that you connect to your two by four, and that's where you run your wires and then your switch is going to be in there. Um, so they could nail it to the two by four, 36 off the floor, 42, 48, whatever, whatever they feel like in the day. And if you're in a wheelchair and all your light switches are too high for you to reach, well, that's useless. Right. But nobody ever, well, let's talk about the width of a doorway. The width of a doorway is usually maybe 36 inches throughout your house, but for some reason they make it narrower going to the bathrooms. When you're in a wheelchair, you need to get to the bathroom. Your wheelchair won't go through that doorway, no matter Especially how Especially if it's hard. in a hallway. So yeah. your turn radius is even that right. much trickier. Yeah. But no matter how hard you try, you cannot get a 34-inch wide wheelchair into a 32-inch opening. It just doesn't work, folks. So why can't they change the parameters of the um, building requirements and say, okay, all doors have to be 42 would be even better. But, okay, maybe even 39. But get rid of the 30 or 31-inch wide doorways, especially going to bathrooms. 
It just yep. doesn't work. And they don't do this even in retirement areas. And that's where you're going to find more people. Maybe they bought the house and they weren't in a wheelchair, but eventually they will go into a wheelchair. And so these are the things that I would like to change. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that I know that are on the bandwagon to get some of these things changed. Yeah. I'm getting off my soapbox now. Well, I mean, making standards that actually work or like uh, just in the last week, who uh, the big, the big companies, Google and probably Apple and whoever, they announced the matter consortium of some sort. So it's a way to interoperate between smart devices. So we'll see if that actually works, but um, yeah, to, to have things that actually work together in a sensible way so that you aren't saying like, ah, I have, I have half of my smart home products. Don't talk to the other half. So I can't turn the lights off. I can turn them on, but not, you know, something silly like that. So it just takes some effort. And if there's no, if there's nobody driving that effort, with the wherewithal. And I, I've told people like in my travels, how many times have I heard just like the, the microwave example, why would someone want to do anything, fill in the blank. And just to be able to organize the collaborate, the co-creation collaboration between the person that can say, uh, I'll give you an example of what I need. Mm-hmm. And there isn't presently infrastructure for that. When I was at KBiz two years ago, when I first met Jason from the VA, the person in charge of specially adapted housing. Uh, he was speaking with or inter- doing something with the living in place people. And I, I think I asked at the time, like, who, who do you work with at these companies that make these products that you are I- incorporating into various designs for people who even, th- you know, they may be completely uh, uh, without any particular special needs but if they do intend this to live in a home for more than however many years might, or something might happen tomorrow, right? Uh-huh. An injury or something. So how do you interact with, start with Amazon and Google, but it could go all the way down to just, you know, some small startup that has the latest door hinge that, you know, whatever they have not, they have no infrastructure in place. You're just basically a, a, a squeaky wheel and you got to hope that somebody listens but if you start saying things like, oh, our organization is working with the VA to make specially adapted housing functional, and we're going to incorporate the feedback from actual veterans and their infrastructure for healthcare and, and health maintenance, we're going to work with them to to feed some of this stuff we learn along the way back into the product design process. And, uh, oh, by the way, now we're working with children's hospitals and uh, assisted living facilities and normal people in normal homes. So you build up a, an interface between people and products, whether they're tech or whatever, uh, so that you become sort of the, oh, yeah, there is a way I can figure out if a 39-inch door is better than 32 or 38, 38, 36, what was it, 32? 32 won't 32. accommodate wheelchairs, unless it's a right. real tiny, tiny wheelchair whatever this, for a Whatever the standard, yeah, yeah, whatever the standard bathroom door. So making a case for doing things better because initially people will say, yeah, but it's such a tiny market. I got to tell you uh, from the food truck days, food truck people would literally say, oh, there's not that many vegetarians. I'm not going to do a vegetarian menu. And then in one particular case, uh, it was at SAP 
software company in, in Palo Alto. And like 30% of the people working there were vegetarians. So they had nothing to eat because they like, oh, I only make um, like pork belly stuff on the grill. Do you want me to throw some lettuce and fry that for you? Like, so if you don't know your customers or how they're using your products, then you end up delivering something they can't use. And it can be frustrating at best and it can be dangerous at worst. So right. you know, talk to mention, Peloton about that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to mention one thing. I've run into this a lot. Um, people will put microwaves over their cooktop at a ridiculously high level. I was in a house a couple of weeks ago, and the bottom of the microwave was actually above my head. Right. Now, I am not your average height person, but there are times when I've gone into houses and I wouldn't be able to use it unless I jumped on a ladder. So they don't think. They, now, you can really bring it down to a, a better level. There's uh, parameters where you should have it. They say 16 inches off the cooktop. This one was about, I would say, almost 30, which was ridiculous. Uh, so people don't think. They don't think about anybody, but, well, no, I think I'll put it here. Who cares if somebody can't use it? That's the way I'm going to put it. That's where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I almost didn't. I don't think I have time to complain. Um, no, I don't. Wow, There's we're always going time. over. No, no I'm going to save not. that. I'm going to save that one for next week. Okay. Uh, because I, I do have a list of stuff I have to accomplish today, and uh, even though I love to talk, I do have to get a lot of things done. Anyone who has a special dietary need, for example, gluten free, or you're allergic to peanuts, or can't have dairy, whatever it is. Um, you have encountered the same problem, except that your problem lasts for the space of like a meal. And it can be very frustrating, but it's like, okay, well, I'll go home and I'll eat something. But imagine going home and all of your food is stuff you can't have because somebody said, oh, well, we're just going to give you all gluten or all peanuts. You're like, yeah, but can I have food I can eat in my own house? So extend that to everything in your home like working against you. And that's the problem we want to solve. So, Yeah, absolutely. And we'll probably talk more about this next week. But probably. for now, I do have to say ciao because my list of um, things to do is waiting for me. Dan, it was a pleasure talking to you this week. Um, Likewise. Even we Likewise. had some problems with Zencaster. Hopefully we actually, solved the problem. In, in fairness, it was Cox uh, not being clear about the state of the network and but Zencaster doesn't help when it's error recovery so yeah but yeah oh, technology okay. well, wasn't helping yeah. us today right well I hope everybody enjoyed today's show we sure covered a lot and if you can subscribe we'd really appreciate it but mainly share these podcasts because you can't get anything done if you have a challenge if you keep it to yourself and knowing more about Cosanunzia is only going to help everybody else so share them with your friends. And if you want to learn more about Dan, you can email him at dan at hugofloss.co. And I don't know if you want to know more about me. I'm just <laughs> his mom. <laughs> but if you do, you can email me at nancy at hugofloss.co. And by the way, I did mention several times, I have another podcast all about design. And I publish every Wednesday, and it's called Home Design Chat with Nancy. I've been doing this for four years. It's a, a shorter version. Um, I only 
well, we chat for about 30 minutes. So you can certainly listen to that when you're driving or walking or when you have nothing else to do. You'll learn about uh, items uh, about your for your house, whether it's tile, appliances, whatever. But I want everybody to have a great day. And even though they said don't wear the mask if you don't really want to, you really should in certain areas. So I'm going to wear my mask, Dan, and I hope especially you do if, too. Especially if you're not vaccinated. But yeah, um, there's no And don't lie to... about being vaccinated. If yeah. you got the vaccination, okay, so you did. And I didn't get that sticker when I got vaccinated because I think that's a little goofy. But be honest about it. If you go into a group of people, don't lie that you got the vaccination. Just keep your distance, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Those are always good good pieces of advice any time, especially if you're preparing food. Uh, so on that note, uh, we are going to be kicking off a, a newsletter and the show notes to try to get that in a more usable form. Uh, more, more stuff coming. Uh, I didn't really touch on all the random other stuff I was doing during the week, but we'll get to that next week. Thanks for listening. Hey, Nan, have a good day. Bye, Dan.